Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Okay, y'all are in for such a treat today. One of my dear friends, Cassie Hatcher, is here with us. And Cassie is the CEO and founder of Career Confidence, which is a company that she has built from the ground up that specializes in resume writing for military personnel transitioning back into the civilian world. Hi, Cassie. Thank you so much for being here. Taylor. It's so good to talk with you. You're one of my biggest inspirations. So I'm so glad to have you as a friend and a someone I can chat business with. Well, likewise, I, you are one of my biggest inspirations and cheerleaders. So I am so excited that we get to have this conversation today. Cassie, I want to start out. I want you to share your story with us. Like, who is Cassie? What were you doing before you were resume writing? And how did you get to where you are now as a CEO? Sounds good. So I graduated college with a bachelor's degree in psychology, thinking that I was going to be a marriage and family therapist. And so I, I had no you idea didn't know? Yeah. that you did that. <laughs> well, I enrolled, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I enrolled, um, was accepted into a program, but I was night. Well, I just turned 20. So I was just not feeling like I was going to be able to counsel people's, my parents age with like zero life experience. So I decided not to do that. But it was in the middle of the recession. It was just a terrible time to find a job. So I ended up lifeguarding mm-hmm. for like another year and absolutely hating it until I found a job at the Department of Vocational Rehab, which you work basically with people with disabilities who are trying to find a job. So that kind of got me started on the whole career services field. And I really have worked from the bottom up big time, you know, working with high school dropouts, just trying to find them a job, and then working for for for-profit universities, doing career advisement. And then eventually in 2014, I got a position as a veteran nonprofit transition specialist. So writing about eight resumes per week, and it was just like pumping out resumes, but I loved it. I love that clientele and that population. Both of my parents are retired military air force so i kind of have that military brat affinity and really just <laughs> i i love that that group they're so hard working they have great quantifiables to work with so after about a year working for that veteran nonprofit we bought our property out here in Howard Colorado just outside of Salida about 20 minutes and i was actually commuting for about 3 months i would leave on a Friday, come two hours, (laughs) drive to our property, stay the weekend, and then drive back on Monday. No. Yeah. That was before we knew each other. So side note, Cassie and I met in our birth class. (laughs) We were the only two people there and our husbands and we became immediate friends. But I had no idea that you were doing that commute. Were you going to Denver or Colorado Colorado Springs Springs. or where were you going? Yeah. Thank goodness. But I was living with my mother-in-law during the week. And then, um, yeah, coming up here on the weekends and finally after about three months, 
it had started like winter started to hit and going through that icy canyon Mm -hmm. I was I was done and I pushed really hard to do remote work and they just would not you know we've had a lot of progress in the last couple years through the pandemic so you know if I could have stuck it out that long maybe but that oh my gosh I'm just so glad I left that position and was kind of forced out in a way because of that drive. (laughs) Yeah. So what was, what was that like? Because I mean, you weren't necessarily laid off, but you were given this ultimatum. Like, do you keep driving two hours? That's a long commute. I mean, we do that in the summer with wedding season and it is an unforgiving drive. It's an, and, and especially the, the road that you live off of and going through that Canyon. I mean, it's, it's a windy, scary road. To do in the summer, let alone the winter. So what was that transition like, Cassie, from this reliable paycheck, full-time job, but you're having to give up so much of your life commuting to moving into entrepreneurship? Not that you were forced into it, but that was your option, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I had tried resume oh. writing as a side gig already, starting in like 2014, and just didn't have enough clientele to like make it work. I had tried a few partnerships with different job fairs where they would advertise my services. And I was charging, get this, $75 a resume. And I thought I had made it at $75 (laughs) a resume. And I'm like, okay, I just need like five of these a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And then I'll, I'll have enough, you know, to have made it. Yeah. So for a while I did just subcontracting for different resume writing companies, bigger resume writers than myself, obviously. And at that time, I was still just building up my personal brand on LinkedIn. And after working for Higher Heroes, a lot of people I was already connected with that were in the military sphere that started to refer me. So word of mouth really picked up basically from 2017, 2018, 2019. Gosh, it's it's been a while now. It's been about five years since that, that really started to kick off to where I didn't have to do any more subcontracting and I could just take on my own clients. Okay. So you have, you have a super loyal following now. Cause it's, it's funny to hear you say you didn't have a big following because you have an outrageously loyal following now and you have written an ebook, correct? Yep. And you've got, um, not only do you have super loyal clients, but your primary social media platform is LinkedIn, which whenever you asked me if I was on LinkedIn, I was like, um, I think I signed up for one in college (laughs) back in like 2008 and I haven't touched it since then. So tell me about how you started building your clientele, Cassie, because they trust you immensely. And that, I think part of that's military they're very a very loyal group, but you have really built this trust with your following. Tell us about that. Really, it's been in the last year since I hired a virtual assistant who is a military spouse who's really had to stay on me about being consistent. That's where I struggled big time. Is you know, I I post here and there when I could, you know, with two mm-hmm. kids, well, one kid at the time, and then we added that that second one, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> and then life doubles in yep. craziness. <laughs> But being consistent in blogging and really doing like long form breaking down. And I really, I give away a lot of information. If people wanted to just go read through all my blogs, they could probably DIY their resume. I even do a free resume template as a email sign up lead capture. 
so to speak. And so a lot of the times, mm -hmm. like I, I give away just a ton of information, but I feel like it all comes back to me because some people just, most people do not want to write their own resume. Even for a resume right. writer, sometimes it's hard to write about your own experience. You need that 30,000 foot view of, okay, what's important and what's not, especially when I'm dealing with people that have 25, 30 year careers and we're having to squeeze mm -hmm. that all onto two pages and make it relevant and make it, yeah, not a federal resume where it's like 10 pages long. We're, we're sticking with the two pages. Right. But because of that consistent, to go back to your question, being more consistent in posting on LinkedIn, doing long form blogs, just anything, short posts, it does just, yeah, showing, just up. showing up exactly has made such a huge difference to where I should have pulled up the stats, but we've gained, I think, 3000 followers in the last year. And like, it just, it just builds on itself. We've had that's amazing followers in the last 30 days. That's an amazing investment. I mean, whenever you show up, it's the best thing that you can do for your business. I want to hear more about, you said that you give away a ton and I feel like the best entrepreneurs and the best business people do give away a lot because that's how you, you, you build trust. And so touch on that because a lot of entrepreneurs I think are too, are scared to give away too much information or to give away too much valuable information. And they give just enough of a teaser to like maybe get people interested, but you're not building that trust. So what is, what does that look like for you? It's really hard to set boundaries in business, but what has that looked like for you to be like, I'm just going to give away what I know. And if people want help, then I'm here to serve. But what does that look like? I feel like I come from kind of a, a little bit of a hippie mindset of what you give out comes back to you. And so I love the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just feel like the more that I give people and I, I do a lot of free resume consultations where people send me their resume, I do a screen recording and just break down what items I feel like they should change and let them know like, Hey, if you think that you can run with this information, go for it. If, you feel like, oh, this is just too much for me. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I would love to have a team to support me. Then here's, here's my rates. Let's get started, basically. And I'm just always blown away by how much either people book just based off of that free consultation or they if they are able to use that information. I've had so many people post about me on LinkedIn and say, hey, Cassie will give free consultations. And she let me know, like, I... I didn't need as much work as what I thought and gave me a lot of confidence. And just those posts have led to a lot of client booking. So it just, it all comes back to you, Taylor. I, I swear. I love it. This reciprocity. Universal. So I was just reading, yeah. right. I'm, I'm reading effortless right now by Greg McEwen. And if, I don't know if you've read essentialism, it was so good. Essentialism changed my life, but effortless is changing my life even more than essentialism did. And he talks about how you can do something very small, like automated and small, like building your reputation, and that's going to pay it forward for years and years and decades. And on the flip side, you can develop a bad reputation for yourself and you can have bad business for years. And so it sounds like you have really honed in on that building trust and building a great reputation for yourself. And that is spreading like wildfire through the community. And I, I also love how 
you like found your niche and you are serving them so good. Like you don't come from, or you weren't personally in the military, your parents were. So you have that world, but you're also part of the quote unquote civilian world. And so you were able to marry those two together. Like you could have stopped at being a resume writer. That would have been pretty niched, but you even, you went even further and decided to serve military resume writing only. And that is where you found exponential growth. What was that like? Like trying to marry those two worlds? Like at any point, did you wonder if it was going to be too niche down? Yeah, I did worry about that a little bit. So niching down was definitely scary, especially because all of the previous companies that I had worked for took on every industry, every level. So yeah, that was very scary. And even now today, like I still have civilian resume services on my website, but that probably only takes up like 10 or 15%. I can't remember where I heard this, but someone was talking about massage therapists and how massage therapists do a bunch of different clients, right? But if you were Mm -hmm. to do sports specific massage therapy, you're going to focus more on, you know, athletes are going to want to come to you. And at the same time, there's plenty of other clients who still need massages (laughs) and whether or not you're a sports focused therapist or not. So that has not seemed to affect my business at all. And if anything, it's just helps, you know, people focus on when you search for military to civilian resume writer, I'm on page one of Google and it's so hard that's a page one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's been awesome. I'm so proud of you, Cassie. I want to take a step back a little bit and talk about, I'm just fascinated by your life. And I probably tell at least one person about you (laughs) per week. So Cassie, Cassie and her husband, Scott, about 40 acres, right? 40 acres in Howard, Colorado, which is a dot on the map, but it's a gorgeous part of Colorado. They have a homestead. They've got chickens, goats, pigs. I don't know what you've added since the last time I was over well, there. Yeah. Um, they're raising their two girls and they're building an earth ship. So I want to hear about this journey because when you think of entrepreneurship, thank goodness, like the millennial world, like we're changing on what, what a successful entrepreneur looks like. But I think a lot of people assume you like live in a city, you live in a high rise in a city. And so to meet somebody and myself included, like we live on a ranch with goats, llamas, alpacas, and tell us about what your life looks like outside of work, Cassie. Cause I'm just, I'm just so fascinated by you. Oh, thanks. Well, it's, we're trying to be a little more seasonal and it's funny you ask like what we've added. Cause we've we took away a pig this weekend. It's It was a heritage breed pig. It's our fifth one. So so by took away, did we you butchered butcher it? it? Yeah, we slaughtered it, butchered okay, it. Okay, that's what yeah. I did. <laughs> and so, um, so it was just Scott and I. Usually we've had like people come up and help, but we got it done and well, about three late nights worth of work after the girls go to bed. With two kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like we have the monitor and, you know, just running back and forth in between like grinding sausage and putting roasts together. And like, it's, our goal is to be self-sustainable and I, we're far from that, but having a decent garden, having water now that we, oh we had a time where our, well, last summer our well went dry. So we had to dig a much deeper well and then our water has been perfect since then we have not run out of water a single time but there were plenty of times where I thought we were going to break did not think we could go on without water <laughs> you know, that was a big one yeah um, fair enough yeah just we have so much going on with 
the build. Uh, so the Earthship is made out of tires that are pounded into this 300 pound brick that is then lifted by a skid loader and placed as our foundation. So we're two years in. And it's 4,000 square feet, right? Almost. Yeah, it's it's really big. Oh and we decided to add a cellar during the pan 2020. We're like panicked about food a little bit. You know, you go into the grocery store <laughs> and you see empty shelves. You're like, okay, we need to have like an at-home food storage situation if we're going to be truly like self-sufficient. So every year. It's better. so funny because when the pandemic starts, when the pandemic started, we had family saying, we're coming to your uh-huh. house uh, when the pandemic. And I was like, that's fine. We're going to Scott and Cassie's. Y'all can figure out how to live here off of two goats. And but we're going to Scott and Cassie's house. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We, I always think about like, if things ever went down, the first thing I would get is a, a male goat because we have six females and no males. So that would be a problem. Yeah. But yeah, we've, we, we have milked goats. Um, we've had two different times of having milking goats. And the garden is the big thing. Which that's a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. The morning milking thing. I was in labor with Astra last, last <laughs> year. It was Well, that was 2020. Of course you were. Yeah. And <laughs> just like hurrying, trying to milk the goat and then waking up Scott like, we got to go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I just love it. What would you say to someone, Cassie, who's like, who has this idea of living off the land. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Howard, Cassie and I live in a high desert, quote unquote, it's high desert. So you get pine trees and cactus, you get the mountain terrain and you get major desert desert terrain. Like you've had tarantulas on your property. You've had rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is an unforgiving terrain to live in, especially if you want, God forbid, a garden Mm -hmm. and water in Colorado is really hard to come by as you just heard, but what advice would you give to someone who like wants to pursue their dream of being an entrepreneur, but they don't want to live the entrepreneur life? Like I know whenever Mike and I realized we don't have to live in Denver, why are we living in the city? It was so liberating because we had just got to that point in our career with the photography and Mike's design. We were like, let's move to the mountains. Let's do it. What, what advice would you give? Someone, well, Cassie? I'm so glad that like you and Mike and me and Scott did this you know, back in, was it 2014 or 2015 for you guys, roughly? We moved in 2016. Oh, 20, okay. We had moved to the mountains in 2013, but we just kept coming west. Um, so we didn't move to the valley until 2016. Yeah, I feel like that was such good timing because now, especially mm-hmm. like I work out of a co-work space in Salida that is packed. And all the time I'm hearing people looking for property in this area. And I'm just so grateful that we found our little spot before the flood came in because I think the pandemic just really changed everyone's minds about the future of work and what was possible as far as either working from home or working remotely on the road. Plenty of people got out their RVs and started doing that and it's amazing. I'm just again so grateful that we hit that before you know got our little spot. But yeah, I think it's it's more possible than ever. People are more understanding than ever. Again, I just think the pandemic really opened up people's eyes to, you know, not minding kid noises in the background of phone calls. That's been a big one. I've, I've been so grateful for yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's so possible. And with YouTube and with remote work and mobile hotspots, you can do it. 
I love it. I love it. Well, and you said that you, like, as soon as we got on the call, you said you have Starlink now. And if anybody that I have worked with personally has heard me complain about our crappy internet in the Valley. So I am like jazzed that Starlink is available where we live. Cause it's, it's not remote, but we're like, I mean, 10 years ago, it was definitely remote. There wasn't even an AT&T tower here. Yeah. So that's amazing that you have Starlink. You can really run your own business. For on sure. That. And being an entrepreneur, thank God we can do a lot of batching because I have to, you know, like social media posts, there's no way I'm making a post every day. But if I can put everything into mm-hmm. a queue and have my VA go in and she gets to pick and choose what she thinks will be valuable, you know, I can make a month's worth of posts. And even if you don't have, you know, fabulous internet, you can still get that done, put it in a Word doc, whatever you need to do, head to the, that's what I, you know, I used to just have to head to the coffee shops a lot and I would get a lot of work done offline, go online and then batch out that work and that those social media posts and things like that. So that's been awesome. Okay. So you're, you're opening up a conversation. Let's talk about balancing motherhood, balancing motherhood with being an entrepreneur, because as you're, as you're saying, like you, you work offline, you get it done offline and then you make time to go find internet. And this is obviously for rural living, but for any mom who wants to be an entrepreneur or who is an entrepreneur, I'm just sitting here thinking, when is she writing this content on the word doc with no internet? <laughs> like, when are you doing that with two kids? And it's just you and Scott. I mean, you have your, your families are thankfully very involved and come visit your parents do. And the girls are in school a couple of days a week, but tell me about that. Cause I, I know you, like, I think, I mean, we've both cried <laughs> together talking about how hard <laughs> being a mom is and an entrepreneur because you don't leave work at work. You don't just shut the laptop down and go home for the day. It's where you are. Exactly. Setting those boundaries is definitely difficult. And a lot of it is, is forced upon you because I don't know about you, but Bailey often does not let me, you know, get on my phone or my laptop. She will, she knows that's like, okay, I'm going to go get mama and we're going to go play something. So, you know, nap times and bedtime. All it takes is a toddler. Oh my gosh. Who's like, I know what I want. And that is not it. It it does hyper-focus you though. At the same time, I think about life, you know, pre-kids and I'm like, what did I do with my time? Like I had so much time. What the, where did it all go? But when you you have that limited time, it really forces you to focus on what the most important tasks are. I also think it opens up your creativity, like just that day-to-day make-believe play and and just going on walks. Like sometimes my mind is like running business scenarios, but also you do have to make time for yourself and that's just recently started happening for me with Astra sleeping. I, I want to hear about yourself. Yeah. Cause I'm so excited. For oh you. my gosh. Well, we, Astra is officially night weaned as of like, this is like night eight. Yay! Oh, it's amazing. Now that she's sleeping oh gosh, through the congrats. night, mostly, mostly sleep through the night, <laughs> but Scott did have to kick it off. I got away for a night. He really had to kind of force me out the door to just book something. <laughs> and so I went to Crestone, which is a, a little town a couple hours away from us and stayed the night in an Airbnb. And uh, honestly, I did work and I loved it. Like I love working. I love coming up with social media posts and being creative. And so I do too. And it's, and it's so much easier when you can do it guilt-free. Like I swear it was right before Dawson. I didn't know that he could like pull himself up. He's two now, but this was when he was about nine months old. And 
I was working on my laptop on the couch and I didn't know that he could stand. He stood, grabbed the screen and yanked the laptop down, like completely broke the screen oh because God. he was like, you're done with this. And I was like, uh, where's my screen? I mean, like I, he totally broke my laptop because he, he was ready for me to be done. Oh my, oh my gosh. It was so bad. And it was right at the brink of my editing season for fall. But it's so much more fun to be creative in work whenever you don't have that mom guilt. Yes, for sure. And it's it's helpful when your spouse is encouraging. And at the same time, I don't mm-hmm. think that you you need that. I know I just, I follow a parenting podcaster, Dr. Becky, and she just posted about, you know, you need self-care and it's okay if your spouse or partner is not happy about it. Don't let that stop you because there's plenty of times like, you know, Scott wasn't super excited to watch them overnight. He was really nervous. And, you know, that makes me nervous. And I had my phone on all night, which doesn't, oh, so dumb. <laughs> like I'm hearing notifications go off <laughs> in the middle of the night. I'm like, please oh, me. I, I'm going to, what am I going to do? Drive an hour and a half if something happened, you know, like what? what? Right. To like give him a pacifier. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's good to set that boundary and I'm not great at doing it. So. <laughs> I have no advice for people on that. It <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. I mean, the first time that I left, like left, left, like I had gone on a weekend trip with my mother-in-law and sister-in-law. But the first time that I left for something that I needed was last spring. And my grandmother had passed away. And I had told Mike the night before she passed that I said, I need to be a sister and an aunt and a daughter that shows up. I'm not going to be that like hashtag. Thank you. This is us. I think I just watched a This is us episode and I was like, I've got to go home. And then the next morning I found out my grandmother passed away, but I left and it was, it was the buildup. I don't know if you can attest to that Cassie, but it was the buildup of leaving. I mean, I was physically sick. It's right. It was right before I got uveitis, like days before I got uveitis. And as soon as I got to the airport, I was like, Hey me, I'm back. And like, I felt like my old self again. (laughs) I was like, what do I want to do? I'm going to go to the bathroom by myself. I'm going to get a coffee that no one's going to try to knock out of my hand. And then honestly, once I got home, I was home for a week and I called Mike and he was like, are you ready to come home? And I was like, no, (laughs) does that make me a bad mom? And he was like, well, stay an extra day. Just stay in it. Cause I mean, honestly, that trip home was filled with funeral stuff for my grandmother. And then I was in the hospital for uveitis. And so I was like, I haven't even got to be home. I've been either in a hospital or at the funeral home. Yeah, But like, I felt so guilty, but having Mike say, take an extra day or two at home. I was like, really? I mean, it was so liberating to feel like my old self again. And I love my kids. It's such a great way to feel love too. Like I remember texting Scott, like I've never, like you could not have shown me love in any better way than watching the girls and giving me this time. Cause I, yeah, you forget what it's like to just be you like completely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's good that you're able to set those boundaries. So I'm proud of you. Thanks. It's well, it, it, it takes a lot of practice, especially like I've shared that I'm, I'm an Enneagram too. My, my role that I see myself in, in, in my whole life is to serve others and to be there to help. And so there's nothing more catastrophic for an Enneagram too, than leaving the people who need them most in another state. Like I could not get home quickly if I needed to, but Mike has been very good at giving me that freedom. And it starts small. Like it started with a yoga class, like go to yoga, 
you'll be fine. Go to two yoga classes this week. We'll be fine. Go to three. And, you know, you like build up to an overnight. And then I got, I was like seven nights. I'm good. You guys are good. The boys are happy. I'll just stay here. And so now I'm like craving this time to reconnect with my old self. And do you feel like though that buildup of, of leaving your family is worse than when you're actually gone? Yeah. And you make such a good point that especially if you're in the early season of young kids, like you're, you're not going to have much getaways. Like it might be the first time I ever got away with Astra because she did not take a bottle or a binky was just to go to the dentist. It was like a forced, like you can't take your baby <laughs> to go get a dental cleaning. So like you have to separate for a short time and, and that does build on itself. But yeah, the buildup, I know when I left last week, I was like, it just had the fridge like stocked with meals. I'm like, okay, that, that was how I like relieved that stress. I'm like, okay, if they have plenty to eat, I can get rid of this guilt, but it, it still hangs out there. You know, it's always like in the atmosphere, yeah. but if you can, how, however you can kind of relieve that guilt. And for me, it's meal, meal prepping. <laughs> I, I had to shift my, my thoughts from they're going to be, they're not going to be okay without me. And they're going to like something bad to, I would be depriving Mike of this one-on-one time with the boys. Like this is a chance for them to make memories together. And I mean, he like, I, I, I always tell people, I swear I married Phil Dunphy. Aww. Like if anybody watches yes, Modern Family, course. he's just, he's the fun parent. He's always fun. And he's always on. And like, I'm like the mom who's like, stop licking that. Stop putting that in your mouth. Stop eating that. Stop doing, and like, you know, trying to like cook and clean. And and Mike, Mike helps with household stuff. We, we share all the responsibilities in our marriage and parenting. But the, the one time that he went away, which was just recently, it was for two nights and he went 10 minutes down the road, but he was away. I got like, I, Cassie, I had diapers on my head. I taped diapers to my head. I took the boys after dinner, like, you know, 20 minutes before bed, I was like, who wants to go to the hot springs? I was like, I get to be Phil Dunphy tonight and nobody's going to stop. Yes. And so so it's, it's like this weird, like I would be depriving Mike of this opportunity to get to be, I mean, he's, he's always the fun parent, but once I switched that, I was like, well, I'm okay leaving then because they're going to be fine. They're going to have a blast without. Yes. And you bring up another good point too, of like control. And I know last time we got together, you talked about the universe has your back. Gabby Bernstein. So I, I got that on audible. I finished the entire book during that trip, just like driving around. And and she talked about (laughs) control and like letting it into the, you know, just like letting it go, letting the universe take it, trusting. And that's true. And parenthood and business for me, because in order to scale this business, I've had to let go of control. I cannot write all the Mm -hmm. resumes, do all the social media posts, make all the calls, send all the emails. So hiring people and letting some of that go has been so hard and so worthwhile. So while we're talking about like balancing motherhood and entrepreneurship, Cassie, when did you hire your first employee and who was the first person that you hired? Was it your VA? Was it a resume writer? Like how, how did that conversation in your head start of like, there's literally no more of me. I have to, I have to get somebody else on. What was that process like of hiring somebody? Yeah. Well, I hired a resume writer first, a con a subcontractor and just it felt so weird to like post a job description and I'm like, am I really like hiring someone? that just was like a mental block for a while. But yeah, being able to give that 
give some of that work, you know, it was about 50, 50 that she would take versus I would take. And then roughly three months later, I hired a VA and that was only February of last year, 2021. So we were just talking about how she had, she's a military spouse also. So she had just moved PCS, they call it, to Tampa during the Super Bowl when it was Tampa hosting last year. <laughs> she had a while. So, you know, and that was like my only connection too, as well, like during the pandemic and while the girls weren't in school. So it was amazing in so many ways to hire a VA. And then from there, just in the last year, I brought on another six. So now I have six people full time, but I've doubled my revenue every year. And I think that that's because hiring people has been huge. We broke a hundred thousand last so year. Yeah. I was so psyched. And then January we made 23.5 K just January last year, like last month. I'm just like, that's amazing. Oh Cassie. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Those are some of those reins that it's really hard to let go of because you don't know that you're going to grow. There's nobody there telling you, hey, this financial risk is okay. You can do this because you're going to reap rewards. You're going to see the benefits. It's so hard to hire that first person. Yeah, absolutely. And I was such, I, you know, it was per hour, you know, so far I only have subcontractors and the writers, I pay 30% of the the total value of the resume and my VA is $25 an hour. And I just remember like wanting a week by week of like, how many hours have you used this week? Oh my gosh. Like how much do I have to pay her? And now it's like, send me the invoice. I know every hour that you spend is so worth it. Yeah. It saves me so much. So that's so powerful. And I'm, I'm so freaking proud of you because you've built this from the ground up, but it, I mean, it, it doesn't always look like that. And I, I want to hear Cassie, what has been your favorite failure? Oh boy. So I, there's a, a few different resume writing certifications out there. And the, the one that's like the top okay. tier, I took that in 2017, failed it. And then I failed Two more times. I failed total of three times. No. To be honest, I still haven't passed it. I've gotten like every other certification. I've been too scared to go back and take it again because I'm like, I cannot fail again. Yeah. And I just reached out. But that could have very easily stopped you. You you could have let that get in your oh, head and go, you know what? Obviously, I'm I'm not cut out for absolutely. this because I can't pass the friggin' yeah, test. Yeah, absolutely. I was just like, I don't deserve, you know, I'm not detail oriented naturally. Um, so like I'll make mistakes on like someone's LinkedIn profile. One, another favorite failure is that this guy had been sending out his resume and his LinkedIn, you know, the words said his profile URL, but it was hyperlinked to somebody else's profile. And so a recruiter was like, <laughs> let him know. He's like, this isn't your LinkedIn profile. He has sent out, you know, like literally hundreds of resumes. And I'm just like, my heart sinks. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm just like, what do I do? And he was very cool about it. And and that is a really common mistake. Like now that I have writers, like that is on our checklist, but I'll still double check it because for some reason, like that is the one thing where like people forget to look at that URL. But after having done that once, I mean, yeah, you don't really make that mistake too many more times because it's so gut-wrenching. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, I mean, it's, it's funny now to laugh about, but I, I know that's sick, like your stomach falling out of your butt feeling when you're like, no, everything starts moving in slow motion. Yeah. And you do question everything and like, should I even be doing this? Like I, yeah, it's the worst. But that's why hiring a team and bringing people in that lift you up is so important. And it's so hard to take that first step. When I first hired an editor, that was the first person that I ever hired. And I was physically sick to let go of the reins of my editing. But it gave me back more mental real estate and gave me more space to focus on other things. And then hiring a VA was terrifying. I did not want to let go of the reins of anything in my business. And now I'm like, Hey, can you do this? And like, and this and this, and I'm sure if she lived close by, I'd be like, can you make meals too? Cause like, I just love her and I think the world of her. And so I hand off everything I can. Now those initial steps are so hard. Absolutely. And you're so good at outsourcing. Like one time you made a post about how you outsource laundry. And I've been meaning to follow up with you on that. Oh, girl. No, I wish I could outsource laundry. Not in this valley, but in the city, you can. (laughs) I wish. I hate laundry more than anything in my life. And I have two toddlers and my husband. And so they're always like in the mud, in the dirt, outfits on outfits on outfits every day. But then at the same time, they'll wear the same underwear. My kids will wear the same underwear for like a week. And I'm like, how are there 26 shirts and no underwear in the laundry. I don't understand it. But yeah, I, I wish I could outsource laundry. That would be that would be awesome. I, I just have a few more questions. And you you mentioned the universe has your back. What is a book that has completely changed your your life? So I have it right next to me. <laughs> Beautiful money. I sent it to you. It's gonna be there on the twenty third. <gasps> Sorry, I ordered it from you. Oh my gosh, you're the best. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I feel like literally just reading this book increased my income more than anything. I have not changed anything in my business. Actually, that's not true. I've made some changes in the business, but literally just like mentally having this mentality of there is enough. There is plenty. There's plenty for me. There's plenty for everyone else. And I think that goes back to to your question about giving away content. There is so much available, so many resources. And when you can have that mindset, and that's what I mean, this book breaks down a a whole holistic approach to wealth. That's amazing and changing your money mindset. Cause I know we've talked about that before. Like we taught, we have a lot of money conversations. I love it. And it's great. It's because like, I'm more scared to talk about money than I am to talk about like health, to talk about anything. It feels like so extremely private, but lately I've just been like way more open with people like, I teach an aqua class on Wednesday and I think that they always thought like my resume writing business was this tiny little side gig. And finally I'm like, I made a hundred thousand dollars last year and I like owned it. And when I said that, and they were like, why do you teach this class? Like we thought you were like this poor. (laughs) I'm like, I do it because I like it. And it's raising your own pigs and trying to (laughs) trying to it's so funny it's it's so funny because nowadays as like again this millennial generation you don't know who's wealthy and who's not because you know and there was a book the millionaire next door who talks about millionaires drive old pickup trucks they're not out there driving teslas even though a tesla is my dream car they're like you would never know a a millionaire and somebody who's running a six-figure business because our generation's just not as flashy as it used to be. Yep. 
Absolutely. Scott was just telling me about this Bitcoin miner who lives in the Bahamas who drives a Toyota Corolla and his goal is to donate everything that he makes pretty much because like he doesn't, he doesn't need it. You know, like I just love the grateful mentality and I really focus on that with the girls of saying what we're grateful for every night because I think that's the key Mm -hmm. to happiness. Uh, You know, if you're, I think it's great to strive, but at the same time to look around often and look at just how lucky we are and how plentiful, (laughs) you know, we just, I feel like we have so much and we are so blessed. Yeah. That's beautiful, Cassie. I went to the hot springs this morning. Mike gave me, or I have my day this week and I spent time being grateful. Listen to this for my dishwasher. Because the book I was reading was like, we have all these technological advances, but then we take advantage of them until one of them breaks. And I was like, I would die without a dishwasher. I wouldn't die. But the amount of dishes that we go through as a family, and we're we're minimalist. Like we have four plates. We've got four bowls. We've got way too many. Mike's has too many coffee mugs. We have like six coffee mugs the right amount of silverware. And I would still go nuts if we didn't have a dishwasher. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just be grateful for my dishwasher today and see what else comes into my life. Cassie, what was one of the biggest money blocks that you've had to overcome? Because you and Scott, shortly after you guys got married and after Bailey was born, you guys experienced loss. You experienced a lot in your marriage that a lot of couples may never go through together, but you guys went through a lot and you were launching your business. Like what were some of those money blocks, not just in marriage, but in your own life and like from childhood that you had to overcome? I think the biggest one for me was not wanting to check in with my bank account. Like I would, I knew Mm -hmm. we were in debt. I knew, yeah, I was so scared to look at the credit card amounts because I just, I was, yeah, we were so poor. And, um, like I was just launching my business. And so yeah, checking in was awful. And I have a friend who's a financial (laughs) advisor and she is more like spiritually focused. And she said something to me that I will never forget. She's like, your money is like a relationship. If you never look in and check in on it, things are going to go bad. (laughs) Like literally. Ooh, that's so powerful. Yeah. Literally just checking in, like having a conversation almost with your money is is a great mentality. So yeah, I think about that all the time. And now when I get to check in, I'm like, yay, things are going good because I'm regularly checking yeah. on it. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so awesome. Yeah. I think checking in and I grew up in a family where money was very taboo. And my, my parents would say, we don't talk about money because we don't have money. And so I grew up with that mentality of, I don't have to check in with it because it doesn't exist. And so I don't like, it's fake. It's just like fairies. And so I totally understand what, where you're coming from. Of just avoid it. Just stick your head under, un, under the sand and pretend like it's not there. Yeah. Yep. And this, again, this book like talks about debt and just looking at your total, your total wealth and just being real with it. Even if you are hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in debt, like you, you got to start by knowing where you're at and Otherwise you can't, you can't go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's powerful too, that you said that you just, that that you owned it when you told your class, your aquatics class, that you're, you own a six figure business now and you have employees. Like that's amazing. Cause it took me, 
eight, nine years, almost nine years to own that as a photographer. And at that point I had been making five figures for five years, but I was way too scared. I didn't want people to know. I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want my family to know. I, nobody knew until I slowly started sharing it. And then finally I was like, this is my reality. Why should I hide behind, you know, know, like, why should I hide from it? So it's, it's weird that us women, especially are bashful about what, what we can accomplish. 100%. And I see that all the time too, like in, in my work. And I just made a post about I'm sure negotiation. Women are terrible at negotiating salary and literally you just have to counter offer. It's okay. If they say no, you're at least throwing it out there because women on average, I think they lose a million dollars over men over the course of their career, just by not asking for a higher salary. And I know it's hard for me. I've never, I've never countered offered any of my jobs. So like, I just, I feel like that's something super dear to my heart. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating because I would rather raise my own prices as an entrepreneur for my services than ever ask anybody for a raise for like, I would never offer a counter offer. And when I look at someone like my brother, when he gets frustrated with what he's making, he just gets a new job. He's like, I'll just go get a new job because I'm going to get paid more. Like that has been his, that's been his like MO and his, how he approaches making more money instead of asking. He's like, I can either ask and get X amount of a raise or I can go get a new job and get way more percentage of a raise because I can counter with them and I can't counter with people I'm currently working with. So he, he cracks me up. Cassie, I have one last question. When was the last time that you didn't feel like enough? Oh man. Motherhood does that to you more than anything. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's what keeps me up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If I would have known like how, how much I would worry about everything I'm doing negatively affecting our kids and like creating trauma and how easily that's created. Boy, it literally is a weekly thing a constant battle of, am I enough? Who do I think I am? You really think you can have two kids and run a business and a homestead and build this house that comes out all the time. Like you, you can't do it all. You're not enough. Yeah. That's literally like a daily thing. But I think again, going back to like gratitude and, and just focusing on all that we have, that we do have healthy kids, that they, they are so well loved and like putting that in comparison to like, for example, I had a client who works in child services and like, she literally works in one County in California and gets, you know, 500 calls a week of child abuse. And I'm like, okay, when you put that on a scale and I I know you say this too, like you throw all your problems. Okay. You have to say it because I'm not going to say it right. All your problems into a pile. (laughs) Mike taught me this. Yeah, if, if everybody that you knew, like your closest family and friends, threw all their problems in a pile, you would be clawing to get your own problems back. And every time I think about that, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing all that bad. We're doing exactly. all right. Exactly. I think I, that comes up in my mind all the time. Yeah, so that that's really powerful. But yeah, constant battle. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Cassie, I just thank the world of you. And I'm so grateful that we met in that birthing class. 
and we got to have our babies like within a couple weeks of each other and get to raise our kids together. And it has been such an honor to see you on your journey, on this entrepreneurial journey, because you've just grown exponentially since even since we've met. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so honored that you were willing to to come on here and, and chat with me. So thank you so it much. It's truly a pleasure. And yeah, I value our friendship enormously. And I'm going to cry. So <laughs> thank you. And I love you guys so much. I love your family. You are the best. Likewise. I love you too, girl. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to put all of Cassie's contact information in the show notes, uh, but I hope that this episode was super powerful for you. Feel free to send it, send it, to share it or send it to a family member or friend that you think would benefit from what Cassie's doing and what she's offering and just her story in general. Take care. We'll see you next time.